0: You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 296. I have a unique opportunity on this podcast to help my listeners make connections with the songs they're listening to on the radio and sometimes singing in church and making those connections to scripture itself. And sometimes the author of the lyrics intend these connections, as we will see today when we use always as sung by Christian Stanfill. And sometimes it's just what I happen to think about when I hear the lyrics. Either way, I want to be sure you understand the important thing is to get into scripture and let scripture say what scripture says. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but most times the study that we do on the podcast doesn't quote follow along with the lyrics. The lyrics are just a launching pad to get into scripture. But once you do get into scripture, I usually have you set aside the lyrics and then just study the word of God. So that's what we're going to do today. Now normally I play the chorus of the song that is our inspiration, but today the first verse is what guided my direction decision. So here's the first verse of Always by Christian Stanfill. My foes are many, they rise against me. But I will hold my ground, I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way. This first verse of the song leads us straight to the Psalms. Psalm 3, to be exact. It's only eight verses, so I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. Psalm 3, a psalm of David, when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. All right, so as you can see, verse 1 correlates with the first verse of our song, but it is here where where we will now lay down our lyrics. We don't have to find David holding his ground, like our lyrics say. We don't have to wonder why there is no storm in this song, because there's one in the lyrics. We will read this psalm for what it is. It's its own song uh, with its own lyrics that are preserved for all time in the Holy Scriptures, the very Word of God. Now This week, I wanted to interact with this psalm a little more, so I copied and pasted it into a Word document, and I printed it out on a piece of paper so that I could write in the margins. If you have a journaling Bible or a Bible with wide margins, feel free to write directly in your Bible. That's a bite, by the way, writing in your Bible. What's a bite, you might ask? Well, It's an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. These are the exercises that I use to keep my time in God's word varied. There is no special magic to them. I did not make them up as much as I've just uh, gathered them and used them over and over in my own studies. So I've kind of curated this list, but I didn't necessarily come up with every single one on my own. Now, most bites are pretty simple. Some are a little outside the box. Some take more work than others. Some I use almost all the time, and then others I pull out from time to time. But trust me when I say, I'm just sharing what I did this week to interact with the text. It's actually over the last couple of weeks, because if you listened to last week's episode, you heard that I had lost my voice, so I had pretty much started down this path, so I got to spend two whole weeks in this psalm, and that was really great. Now you can follow along with my own process, or you can use your own favorite bites, but don't forget the I in bite, interaction. That's why this bite of writing in your Bible is so powerful. And now, really, this week I use the bite of annotation as well I because I didn't really mark up my Bible this time because I wanted to doodle and process. So I went ahead and printed out the text. And so either way, I mean, there's no, again, there's no hard and fast rule. We just want you to interact with God's Word. And so when I said the word annotation, you might say, well, what is annotating exactly? Well, annotating a text is when the reader marks it up to indicate places of importance or to mark something that they don't understand. And so this process of annotating helps a reader keep track of ideas and questions and supports deeper understanding of the text. Now, my students, uh, my, my kids are students in a Christian school. We annotate on a regular basis or they annotate on a regular basis. But it's funny, the things that work in school also work to to study the bible if it works to study history or science or literature then it's going to work to study this literature as well so as i read or as i read psalm 3 i realized that it can be uh, broken down into specific chunks as david processed his circumstances so i read over it several times and then just kind of looked at it as a whole and thought this is kind of broken down so i drew a bracket around verses one and two, a bracket around three and four, verses five and six, another bracket around verse seven is one chunk, and then verse eight was the last. And so I'm going to kind of tell you, walk you through my thought process along the way. So verses one and two, David declares, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Now, he is clearly looking at his circumstances. So I wrote that to the right of my bracket. If I want to think deeper about these two verses, then I might ask the question what else do I see? And so I'm going to use the bite of observation, and I'm also going to pair it with the bite of making a list. Now, when you are observing, Be careful not to jump into seeking to discover meaning at this point. Just get really good at discovering what the scripture actually says. Okay, so again, I... I often kind of lean into this time of, of observing and really understanding what does the scripture say. And um, I, I think sometimes I make some interpretations and some applications along the way. But if all you ever get out of my podcast is to become a better observer, I would be super thrilled. All right. So here's my list. Uh, David is counting his foes, or he's at least recognizing that there are many. He doesn't necessarily say a specific number here. These foes are not neutral. They are rising up against him. And I find it interesting that he says, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Is, is that really a statement about him or is it a statement about God? So I just wrote that down. Right. And um, here's just a little rabbit trail. I can't help but note that I do this when I'm looking at my own troubling circumstances. Uh, they they seem overwhelming. I feel attacked. And even though my grandfather always reminded me that the enemy persecutes Christ in me, uh, it still feels like what they're saying is about me, even when what they're saying is a false accusation of God. So do these verses seem confusing and like they contradict each other? Yep. Because that's what happens when we look at our circumstances. And one more thing. I followed another couple of bites here. I checked out another translation. And I went ahead and consulted an outside resource. I didn't do all of this at one setting. Remember, I've been processing this psalm over a couple of weeks. But... I had been reading the psalm in the NIV, but when I uh, which is the new international version, but when I read it in the ESV, the English standard version, instead of saying, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, my ESV study Bible says, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Hmm. And so when I glance down to the study notes below, and that's what I call my outside resource, it says that salvation here, as generally in the Old Testament, refers to both physical and spiritual deliverance from danger. The fact that they are saying this of him indicates that the enemies are taunting him and saying that his sins are so bad they imply that God cannot save him. (laughs) Well, isn't that just like our enemy, the accuser, to say something like that over us? First of all, our sins really are that bad, but nothing is impossible for God. Isaiah 59 one says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. So think on that as you see David looking at his circumstances, as you see the taunters, maybe you're going to focus a little bit more on the taunting in your study time, but you can think on that. Let's move on. So what does David do next? Well, in verses three and four, He refocuses on God. It says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. So what are my observations here? Well, they are all about God. He is a shield. The Lord is a shield around me. The Lord is my glory. The Lord is the one who lifts my head high and the Lord answers. So I actually wrote that down in a list. And so in my annotations. So again, by interacting with God's word and and physically writing it down, I'm really starting to internalize it. And what David is doing here, by the way, is so valuable in our lives. You see, David's messy circumstances triggered him to refocus on God. They don't trigger him to run to his buddies and complain. They don't trigger him to wallow in self-pity. They don't trigger him to throw in the towel. David's messy circumstances trigger him to refocus on God. But you have to have some characteristics to refocus on. And I'm pretty sure David is calling on how God has already met his needs in the past. He has already felt his protection like a shield. He knows his glory fades in comparison to the glory of God. David has felt the hand of God gently lift his chin from looking down and around in fear and shame, but rather a head lifted high with his eyes fixed on the God who answers when David cries out. David starts out by looking at his circumstances in this psalm, which triggers him to refocus on God with what result? Well, that comes in the next two verses. The result of rest and peace, regardless of circumstances, because of God. So let's look at it with me here in verses four and five. It says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Now, what do I observe here? Well, if David continued to be overwhelmed by his circumstances, you wouldn't know it because he lies down and he sleeps. Uh, he wakes up to fight another day. In other words, the enemy didn't get him in the night. <laughs> he wakes sustained. That's an interesting word. He doesn't lie on his pillow in fear and anxiety. No, no he's sleeping and he will not fear no matter the armies surrounding him. Why? Because of the layer of protection between him and the army. And what is that layer? Well, the shield of the Lord round about him. I observe rest and peace in these two verses, don't you? I observe rest and peace regardless of circumstances because of God. Now, David starts out again by looking around at his circumstances, which triggers him to refocus on God. With the result of rest and peace, regardless of circumstances, because of God, and ends this lament with a request in verse 7 and then a declaration in verse 8. So let's look at that. Verse 7 Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. Now, what do I observe in this request or this prayer? First of all, asking God to not remain neutral, but to rise up. Uh, he's requesting deliverance, the very thing that his foes says that God uh, say that God will not do, and <laughs> straight up knock their teeth in. God, <laughs> did you did you catch it? Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked, punch them in the face is what he's asking for. So here's another quick bite, by the way, when you share what you're reading or what you're learning with a friend, you never know what's going to happen. And I've been kicking around this psalm again for a couple of weeks now. I mentioned this verse in passing to a friend commenting about how funny it is that David would basically ask God to punch him in the face. And she said that she has read in some commentaries that by asking God to break their teeth in, it would make what they say distorted and unclear. I love that, right? So the accuser loses his power because he loses the ability to enunciate all these accusations that he's making. Another little nugget of insight, all because I shared what I was learning with a friend and she had something to share back. All right, so the psalm rounds out with a declaration verse 8. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your people be may your blessing be on your people. Now here's that word again, deliverance. Yeshua, salvation. If you look at your circumstances, you might be fooled into thinking someone else can declare that God will not deliver you. Once you refocus your mind on who God is, you can boldly ask for God's deliverance. But here we see the ultimate truth God delivers. But it's not because of man's will, either to block his deliverance or to beg for it, but it is the Lord's to give. All right, and I don't and I agree to with David's final declaration. the most request. obvious yes, next Lord, jumping off point. Did you catch it people. in the title of the Psalm? It said, a Psalm of David when he fled from his son, Absalom. Now, if that isn't a breadcrumb you can follow to your next area of study, I don't know what is. So here's a hint. You can follow the cross references. That's another bite, by the way. And I, when I looked at the cross references, I looked them up myself. You can read all about it in second Samuel verse uh, chapters 13 through 18. So once you read the story about David and Absalom, then come back to this Psalm and see if it changes how you read the Psalm. Now here's another hint. I know that I referenced my study Bible as an outside resource that I often use. And I really like my ESV study Bible. However, I want to encourage you to please read and process the text for yourself before you go looking for what someone else might say about it. Because I saw for myself that David began by looking at his circumstances that triggered him to refocus on God with the result of rest and peace, regardless of circumstances because of God, finally rounding out his lament with a request and a declaration that I can incorporate into my own personal prayer time. Now, when I looked at my study Bible, they broke it down a little differently. They said it starts with what David sees and then moves to what he believes and ends with what he prays for. And this is correct, too. But I'm so excited because I worked through this scripture on my own. It's kind of like God showed me a better way, not because it is better, but because it was a better process. I learned it on my own. And so and and now I can internalize it a little bit better. So what's next for you? Well, read Psalm 3 for yourself. Make your own observations and identify your own patterns in this song of lament. David offers us an example we can follow of sincere faith in the midst of troubling times. Let this psalm change your prayers and let it remind you of the rest and peace offered by our deliverer. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, Michelle at com or hop on Twitter or Instagram at MichelleNeesat, or on Facebook, Michelle L. Kneesat is my public page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Mackenzie from Michigan, Allie from Texas, Adam from Pennsylvania, and Sarah from Louisiana. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites. I've talked about so many, but these are the top five that I've used on the podcast. It's a really great resource and a great place to start. Subscribers also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource source to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellenezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This, of course, encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Danny Whitaker, who writes specifically about last week's podcast, when he writes, "Wow, this week's podcast was so so inspiring." Thanks for the beautiful reminder that my words don't really matter. It's only the words of Jesus that truly matter. But thank you also for the reminder of the importance of testimony and sharing what God is doing in my life. I'm leading in devotions at my Christian school this morning, and this just helped to confirm that what I've been planning to share is exactly what I need to share, despite the way Satan has been trying to belittle me and make me feel like my story isn't worth sharing be devoted to scripture. And Danny actually has a podcast by that name. I encourage you to check it out. He reads through scripture throughout the year. And, um, I really am inspired that he was inspired by this podcast. Thanks, Danny. Also, Miss K Piano writes, what a hidden gem. I'm so glad I accidentally found this podcast. My favorite part are the bites. Thank you, Michelle. Well, thanks to both of you for taking the time to write these kinds of words. It really does help, uh, other people accidentally find the podcast of course you can listen to the podcast through itunes or the apple podcast app you can also follow on spotify or through stitcher radio or your podcast listening app of choice Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using the song Church, Take Me Back by Cochran and Company to lead us to scripture. This was a request by several listeners, so thank you for reaching out with that. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellenezat.com forward slash 296. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation.